Thanks for stopping by Solving for B, the business podcast at the intersection of branding and marketing. This week, we examine the key elements of creating content that accurately reflects your brand's promise and values. So settle in and enjoy the latest edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome to the Solving for B podcast. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and today I'm excited to be joined by special guest, Ronnell Smith, and also making her podcast debut, Mary Becker. Hello. Hey, thanks for joining us today, guys. Um, so in this episode uh, of the podcast, uh, we're going to be discussing something that uh, nearly every brand uh, is either doing or has, has at least considered. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about content marketing. Uh, and more specifically, uh, we're going to discuss how to do content marketing while staying true to your brand. Um, so let's start with this. Um, why is it important to stay true to your brand uh, when it comes to creating content? I, I, I can grab it um, first, Mary. First of all, it's important for people to know what you stand for. Uh, you know, you know if, if you think of it holistically, it's important for you and the people at your business uh, from sea level on down to know what comprises the core of the business. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's the audience we're going after. And once you have those things in place, it, it makes it much easier for things to flow out of that, specifically the content that you share, the songs that you make, the social media posts. So t- to me, it's kind of your marching orders. Uh, here, Here's where we're planning our flag. And a lot of times people who are experiencing a brand, especially for the first time uh, or, or first couple of times, they like to see s- some level of consistency. You know, if, if you you have a blog post or b- a blog set up and you start sharing content that's all over the place, then people don't don't never get a sense of what you stand for and uh, what our core values are and how you can help them. So uh, I just I think it's important marching orders. Yeah, yeah, Rona. I like what you said about um, you know it's a, it's a holistic approach because it really is, and that's something you know we always strive to educate um, you know our clients on as well as that you know content and your brand experience. It should all be one holistic and seamless approach, right? That's what we all strive Absolutely. for in our content marketing strategies. Absolutely. I think one thing to note here is that um, while keywords are important to this whole process and you need to you know do your due diligence on that end. I think it you shouldn't start and I think Ronell you actually mentioned this during our pre-show prep that you shouldn't start at a keyword level. You should start at a brand level. The the problem with keywords specifically is that helps once you know who comprises your core audience and what you stand for. If if you don't have a goal in mind, you're never going to be correct in starting at a keyword level. And I, and I can use myself as an example. When I first got involved in content more, I was all over the place as far as here's what I'm good at, here's what I want to do, but I had to bring it back to what what am I known as? What would I like to become even more known as? And what are the keywords associated around that? And then who is the audience that is consuming content in that in that area, and who is the likely audience for my business? Once you understand the audience you're going after, which is again tied to the the goals for your brand, then you can associate some keywords with that 
with that audience. I mean, whether it's a, a Facebook group, a Google group, uh, people in organic search uh, or paid media, it's much easier to tie a message to your brand that will attract that audience once you know who comprises that core audience. But you never get there if, if you don't think in terms of goal first and then keyword. Uh, and, and keywords are important. I, you know, Dr. Pete from Moz did a talk a couple of years ago at MozCon that that highlighted this uh, seeming move away from keywords. And, and his talk was very pointed. And he said, you can't type a concept. And so we have to think about it from the keyword level. But I don't think you begin with keywords. I, I don't think your quote unquote keyword strategy begins with you just typing out some keywords and say, here's what I want to rank for it. It begins with you saying, what are the goals for my brand first and foremost? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, this, you know, goal first, brand first mindset, it was also, you know, um, a huge theme at uh, content marketing world this year, because we, um, you know, I think that's how so many brands end up creating so much content that contributes to the noise As you know, they don't have that goal first, they're just pushing stuff out. And it contributes to all of this noise, which, you know, that was another huge theme this year is quality over quantity. And I think the more and more brands that have this goal first mindset will really focus on creating a, uh, maybe less content, but it's going to be higher quality, which um, will resonate a lot better with your audience. Amen. I like less. Uh, that's that's kind of my theme for the year is uh, I've been kind of pushing this uh, rock up a hill and I've gained momentum with it and lost it, but I'm really, really for shorter, better content. And yes. I, I think one of the things it does is it makes it more palatable that brands could be successful. And the the way that I think about that, not to go off on a tangent, is you know it's it's easy for you you to say, hey, you, you'd be the best best shape of your life if you train for a marathon. Well, most people shouldn't or won't be able to train for a marathon, and that's the same thing with. 2,000 word or 2,500 word blog post. Yes, uh, 2,500 words uh, posts typically have the most links, often the most shared, not necessarily the most read. But if you're saying that's the standard by which everybody's measured by, then you also have to account for there's a lot of crappy 2,500 word blog posts out there. And as a percentage, those rank uh, don't rank any higher as, as some of the shorter posts. And when you think about it, it when you really look closely at it, and, and I'm doing a post on this now, it's really a function of shorter posts are more difficult to write, and people don't understand the content, uh, what you can pack into a shorter piece of content that will resonate, and it is palatable for more and more people. So shorter, better, uh, that's my motto for 2018. And that's, that's <clears throat> I think that's a really valuable point to, to take away from this, is that um, brands should focus on not... Not what you know um, the the big guys are doing necessarily the the Red Bulls of the world the GEs the people who are able to produce these twenty five hundred word page con uh, I'm sorry these twenty five hundred word um, content pieces focus on what your brand can do what you're capable of um, all too often I mean look there's it's great to have an end goal in mind to um, to want to reach a certain, you know, get to a point where you can write 2000 pay, uh, 2000 word, uh, posts. But if you have to start at 250 words and you can get your, your message across, cause there's an art in that there in order to be succinct and thorough at the same time, um, that, that can, can get you rankings, get you visibility and, and, you know, get you a really strong brand association in your vertical. If you, um, 
if you're able to master those first and it leads up to those, those bigger posts. If you consider now with featured snippets, the, the rise of featured snippets, I think, has really put people back on their heels a bit with the longer content. If we think about the goal is to, the ultimate goal with, with SEO, to my mind, is, uh, and Stone Temple Consulting does a great job with this, is hammering home the relevance, authority, trust. And if, if you go to what people are doing, feature snippets, where they're saying, here's a query that we know people are asking around this keyword, this topic, this concept, and it's relevant to my brand or it's part of the goal for my brand. How can that as thoroughly and as succinctly as possible? Yeah, I want it long enough such that it can't all be shown in the result and they have to click to come to my website. But I want enough of it in those first couple of sentences to be so thorough that, that it answers so much of their question. They're like, I trust this brand, even if they don't know, they don't have a positive association with me yet. At least I trust it enough to click on this link and go to the website. And from there, hopefully you impress, continue to impress them. But I think it's making people rethink the whole, whole better content. It's a function of so many people are creating longer pieces of content. And if we're honest, a lot of that longer content is not higher quality. Most of it's not. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, the the relationship between brand and content. Um, you know, content is often viewed as as you know something you write or um, you know a blog post or something like that. What can can either of you speak to um, to why maybe that's a little misguided and how um, you know a brand or content, excuse me, is is more than just uh, a blog post or it's more than just, um, you know, a video. So uh, I'm, I'm beating this drum. I did a pre- presentation on this last year and it's kind of become the, making it the centerpiece of, of the work that I do. But if you think about it, if I'm, if I'm a restaurant and me writing a blog post is going to do very little to bring traffic into my store and put, put seats a button to see such that they enjoy my meal. What what really needs to happen is I have a, a soft opening. A few people come in, they enjoy that meal, they share it with their friends. Those friends get on social media that that uh, they engage in conversation, sends more people to my business. They uh, review my business. They leave comments on my website. They provide testimonials for me. I I then run ads. So so when you think about it from that perspective, the Word of mouth, the reviews, those citations, those civil associations that were created about my business are far more, far more important than the, the content that I create by my business, that, that is created by my business. So, so if you do a one-to-one reviews, testimonials, uh, word of mouth on social media for especially service businesses, it's going to be far more important early on specifically than um, – a blog post. Now, a blog post to gain organic reach and continued organic reach is going to be important. But we have to stop thinking as content something that's created by our business. It's often created for our business. Think about it. If you ask somebody to leave a review or a testimonial, it's often created about our business, what people are saying online. And when you think about it, when, when you make a decision to buy a product or, or purchase, make a purchase from a business, a, a service uh, offering, it's often you, you, you may type in a uh, – get the organic result from the search query. Then you 
visit the website. Often there's not that link content, but then you'll go online and you'll watch. You'll you'll look for the reviews. You'll try to find the Facebook group. You'll try to find uh, friends who are talking about it. You'll talk to friends on social media. You'll talk to strangers. You'll try to find conversations where that product or service and hopefully that brand is being talked about. So again, we have to stop thinking about content that's created by our business and, and focus as much on what's created uh, for and about. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad that you mentioned that actually, because going back to the whole holistic approach, um, you know, it, it's not just about creating content and this is, you know, a piece of content we're going to put out into the, into the ether and, and, you know, the web's going to run wild with it. Um, you know, there's, there's, to your point, there's user generated content. And the source material for that user-generated content is the experience that they have with your brand. So you need to impact that um, as much as you can by delivering a a, um, a great user experience. Whether it's like you said at a restaurant, whether it's food, you know, with you know whether the service was great. Um, if you're a plumber, uh, being out there, you know, being attentive, being uh, doing the job thoroughly, things like that. I mean, for every brand, whether big or small. Um, it's about delivering that that positive experience with your brand, so that that user generated content go that you know can perform well on your behalf. Right. Yeah. And and you know another thing, uh, another big part of this, right, is um, brand trust. I mean, it's cra- so a lot of the content I've been looking at recently is you know I'm getting married, so I'm trying to figure out like where to go on my honeymoon. And so then, you know, you hear that, you know, sandals, these resorts are, you know, fabulous. They're world-class. They're all over the Caribbean. But then the more and deeper I dig into TripAdvisor for all of their different resorts, the, like I keep hearing all or reading all these bad things. And then, you know, I go and talk to different travel agents and talk to friends and they also have bad things to say about all these sandals resorts. So it's like, how am I supposed to trust this brand when I go to their site and everything looks fancy and sophisticated, but then you go to all these other trusted websites like TripAdvisor, or I talk to my friends or I talk to industry leaders and they have nothing but negative things to say about trip uh, about uh, sandals, right? So, uh, you know, brand trust I think is also you know a huge component into content creation as well. It, it, to that point, great point, Mary. To, to that point, if if you think about it, that everything you do, you want to further instill brand trust. You have to realize or you should realize that very little of what you do has a merit to people who don't know you. I mean, it's just like, you know, I'll say to a a friend or family member, you know, I think I'm a great guy and they'll chuckle because they may think I'm a great guy. Right. But if I walk up to some random person and say, Hey, can I borrow $10? And they turn up their nose and like, I'm a great guy. That doesn't mean a whole lot to them. Right. (laughs) They likely need the opinion of somebody else. And, And the way I think about that is, you know, what we, what we say about ourselves holds far less value than what people say about us. And I think for a lot of brands, a lot of the, the aspects that I talk to, a lot of the brands that I've worked with, when they, when they start talking about content, the thing I say is you may not need to be creating any yourself. And, you know, and the way I think about that is if somebody gives me a budget of 2000 and I say, hey, you know what? What I really like to do is create one big blog post a month. And they're like, well, why would you only do one? Because 
I'm going to say, because you have to help me in this. You need to be doing amazing things online, offline, in your community, such that when there is an organic result associated with your brand or there's a social signal that it's positive, that everything you're doing works uh, works in unison. And I've often felt that specifically with agencies, there's not that level of understanding. They're not importing in that level of education to their, their customer or their client that, hey, we're really in this together. And Everything we do on for you on your website digitally and online, you need to be reinforcing offline as well. That's I, I love that you mentioned that. That you know, look, we'll create one because I think about it. I think about it as someone who's involved in SEO. Um, I think about it from a SERP perspective, right? You perform a search, a branded search for xyz brand and maybe that piece of content that you're looking for comes up but where what's the rest of the, the other nine organic spots are going to have reviews of that business they're going to have uh you know maps they're going to have stories about that business things like that so it's it's not just about taking care of your you know your little space online but you want to kind of branch out and do the most the most good you can um so let's talk a little bit about uh creating content for ourselves, you know, creating content as, as brands, um, how, what are some tips or some ways, um, to, to create, to create the best content that we can, obviously we want to be true to our brand. Obviously we want to provide great brand experiences, but, um, one thing I've heard you talk about Ronell is, um, prioritizing inputs over outcomes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So one of the things that a lot of people we talk about all the time is test, retest. And I would say, you know, revise, uh, iterate and revise again, iterate. And the example I would use, every content strategy I've ever done, I've always used the word iterative. And there's been clients who've forced me to read the entire content strategy audit to them. And I've never had somebody say, what does that mean? Well, most people just gloss over it. But I explained to them that what we're doing today, we likely won't be doing 30 days from now. We certainly won't be doing 90 days from now. This is a learning exercise. And so I think what I'm trying to foster in them is a culture of testing. Because, you know, when somebody, a, a brand, a business comes to us, they need our help. They think we have the answers. No, we're going to find the answers. I don't know your business the way that you do, but I know online marketing likely to a greater degree, but I don't have all the answers associated with your brand. I, I don't just magically know, and neither does anybody else, that I'm going to do this and you're going to find the level of success that you want. And so if, if you foster a culture of testing, you, you typically can say, okay, there's 20 things we could work on. Let's three. And with those three things, we're going to assign a metric. And let, let's say that's uh, additional traffic. And then we're going to have a goal, a, a specific number or a, uh, a number of conversions. But we're going to go from general to specific instead of specific to general. And what often happens is it pulls people away from any one specific thing. For example, somebody may say my conversions are down without realizing the reason your conversions are down is you don't have significant traffic to your site. The reason why you don't have significant traffic is because you're doing those things offline and online. I mean, you might not even have a blog, right? You might not be doing anything to generate significant traffic. So I call it input over outcomes. I know some people call it lead versus lag goes. But if, if you think about it from the perspective of... I always use weight loss as an example. If, if you think about it from, not from the example of uh, giving up something, but taking something. So for me, I always think of it, I was sure with people, instead of thinking about don't eat, 
potato chips or french fries, thinking about, okay, eating more vegetables. It's going to see what happens with your body. Whereas if I say stop eating french fries, you just think about the misery and the scale not moving. If I say eat more vegetables, you think about, oh, you know what? I don't really like this, uh, but I'm seeing the scale go down. Or not, right? It may be that you need to eat more vegetables or move more. But it, when you foster a culture of testing, it tends to build cohesion. People tend to say, okay, you know what? It, I, I, he's, he or she's in this with me. And that level of buy-in can often get a client, a brand, a customer for the long haul. Because they, they come to realize, you know what? We tested three out of the 20 things and we saw some level of success. We didn't see the level of success we want. We got to test these others as well. And once you start going down that path, uh, it's much, much easier for you to get buy-in on some of the bigger project, bigger long-term projects. And it stops them from looking from day to day. Hey, you know, I'm not getting that weight loss or hey, uh, day to day, I'm not seeing the significant traffic. They realize that you, you're all working in uh, to get the same result and things may be working, but slowly. Right. Yeah. You know, I definitely agree. Testing is a big part of the process or at least, uh, you know, it should definitely be, um, you know, something we always try to, you know, educate our clients on or express to them whenever we're delivering these content marketing plans or content strategies is that, you know, yes, this strategy is documented. It looks official. It is official, but you know, it's always meant to be optimized. You know, this strategy should be a living, breathing document that can change as we're testing and optimizing because you're exactly right, Ronell. You know what, you know, the content that we're creating now, we're not going to be doing that six months, definitely 12 months from now. Um, you know, that strategy should definitely be evolving. Um, and then, you know, and also in terms of content creation, I definitely think, you know, competitor research is a big part of that too. You know, while, you know, no two brands can be compared apples to apples, they're not exactly alike. You know, there's no harm in competitors, um, or in brands looking to their competitors to see, Hey, what are, what, types of content are they creating? What's working well for them? You know, maybe we try to bake some of that into our process and then test it and see how it works for us. Two words I developed a habit for saying when I worked at an agency was, I want to bake this in. And the other one was ping. I never forget the first time I, I told a customer to a client to ping me if he needs me. He's like, ping? What, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Both terms we definitely use a lot here. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I, I like that using the word bake because it's one of those things where it it's in there. You know, a lot of times a customer will will count, will feel like they know what you're doing, right? right. You know, you have a CRO analysis. You you have a CRO person. You have your SEO team. You have your content team. You have your um, social media team, and it's like, okay, how does all this work together? And, and I've had clients who like wanted to see how the sausage was made, so to speak. And at some point, if if to get buy-in, if they feel like, okay, every one of us is at some point sat in a room. They're not in the room with us right now as I deliver the strategy, but every one of us, their strategy is into this strategy. Everybody's input is baked in. I, I, I And I know you guys feel the same way. You know, one of the things, one of the problems with agencies or when you, or you, when you work with a brand, the same with, the work for, with an individual, you have to get buy-in. 
because it's a, a tough sell early on when you say, hey, it's going to take time. When you, when, when you tell people it's going to take time, often the natural association is, I don't have the right person. They don't know what they're doing. It shouldn't take that much time. But everything <laughs> takes time if it's worth ac- accomplishing. And I, I always think in terms of, you know, what can I do to get them to see that, that I'm the right person uh, and, and keep them on board? Because they just become, uh, just hop from... Uh, agency to agency or individual to individual, nobody's going to have lasting success. And most of all, their brand won't have lasting success. So it, it, that, that, imp- that buy-in is, is so critical. And, and that brings up a really good point that, that uh, we mentioned in, or I think, Ronnell, you mentioned in, in the pre-show prep for this, uh, this episode, was that the ability to stick to a plan is, is as crucial to success as anything else, right? Absolutely. Um, if you jump ship in the middle of, of, you know, we're, we're working on something and we've, we've laid out that this is, you know, we're going to see results or we're going to start seeing the ship kind of turn, uh, in three months and a month and a half in you jump, um, you know, to another agency or to another plan or to the, you can't stay focused on the, on the, the plan that we put in place, then you're never going to reap the, the, the fruits of, of, of that, that effort. Absolutely. So, so I learned this way, way back. Um, I wanted to get down to my college weight, and I told you guys about I hired a trainer, and I was looking to exercise, and it was so simple. Then I hired a nutritionist, and I was like, man, this is interesting. And I, I remember him, uh, his name's Brian St. Pierre, uh, him saying or, or giving me a plan that highlighted you know, the things I could eat every day. And I was like, man, there was no magical fruit or magical vegetables. It was just something that I had to do. And then over time, I realized that I had to come up with a plan that worked for me and you know i'd have I, as i lost weight i had friends that were like hey what are you doing and what should i eat and i said no 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 no. for, for you to have a long-term success because i think it's 96 percent of people who lose 25 pounds or more gain it back it, or it's right around 90 at least and that's fairly consistent over time the problem is they've adopted a model that they can't be successful on and and the way to think about that is if if you go on a plan where you don't eat French fries, you eat all these vegetables, and but you still lose, still don't lose weight, you haven't chosen. You have you just chosen the wrong plan for your goal. And the way to think about that is nobody's going to be successful long term doing something that they hate, and that that's a very very well documented now uh, that we can do something for a long period of time that we hate, but we're often not going to find the level of success at least that we want. So what we have to do when we're working with brands and, and they're not listening or they're not adhering to our plan or our strategy is take a step back and realize that we've just likely handed the wrong strategy, the wrong plan, one that they can't adhere to, at least not at this point in their maturation process. Uh, and I've had to take a step back and, and realize that myself and say, OK, it's not it's not them. It's, it's me. But once you do that, you find a plan they can they can adhere to. They're not looking day to day and saying, "Hey, I had to eat all these vegetables," or "Hey, I had to do all this great work online," or I "Had to, you know, hire somebody, hire another person to answer the phone," or "I have to devote a person to social media to answer these uh, questions." And whatever I'm doing now is leading to success. I'm not going to stop doing it. And so, th- so after a while, what? early on seems as painful like eating vegetables or it, it it all of a sudden becomes part of the process part of the plan so to me the the key to long-term success in content marketing the biggest single biggest key is adherence is finding a plan that you can stick to long enough 
to have lasting success. But if you keep jumping from plan to plan or agency to agency, you're not going to be successful. And that doesn't help anybody. Yes, I completely agree. Adherence and commitment to long term is definitely key. And, and so that's this is a good segue into, um, you know, we're we talk about trying to find a plan that works for a particular brand or particular company. Um, where do you find, I mean, Mary talked about like competitors looking at what they're doing, but, but where else can you look for inspiration or opportunities on, on, uh, you know, what kind of content to create? Um, are there any tips on that? Absolutely. But I want to touch on something Mary said, cause I didn't give her enough credit for this. You know, you hear this all the time and, and, it's only sticking with me, you know, observe your competitors, don't copy them. Often you won't know what a competitor is being successful with. You're typically going to have to guess, but you, you, you do want to observe them. And, and you know, one of the simplest things to do is uh, if there is a, you know, you have your keywords, you have the concept, you have, you may even as specific as H1s, H2s, uh, what specifically you want to rank for uh, schema, all that. If, if you think about it from the standpoint of, okay, I'm going to do a basic uh, a, a, a with a search query that's optimized as, as much as possible, right? It, it may be very, very short, maybe very lengthy for voice or it may be very, very short for feature snippet and see what pops up. What pops up typically gives you an, an idea of, of what's possible, you know, if you if you if uh, you have an ecom brand or you have a brand that's comp- competing against the ecom vertical, and, and you see a lot of shopping items pop up, then you know that that's the brand you're up against, and that's the type of result that Google wants to reward. If you see a lot of video, if you see a lot of lengthy blogs, so yeah, it should inform your strategy. But the way to think about coming up with the best ideas for your brand is going back to where this conversation started. You know, what is the goal for your brand and how does a a specific piece of content fit into that overall strategy? How does a specific piece of content help generate social mentions, uh, citations off your site, hopefully generate back to your site? But it really begins with a discussion, you know, you hear all the time, you, know, you you and your team should brainstorm. And that seems so simplistic, but I can tell you, I've interviewed over 300 uh, marketers at over 200 agencies across the world. And the most successful of them have an idea folder. They, they have a, a way of capturing these ideas that, that, that kind of float around. And so one that I use is very, very simple is I every morning I, I try to begin my day by working out in first thing, either 6 in the morning or 8, 8.30 when I drop my kids off at school. And I keep a notepad. Now, for whatever reason, I'm very creative in the mornings. And, and for, for any individual or team member, they should find their own time uh, when they're most creative. And often it'll be something that comes to me like the adherence thing. And I was like, you know what? I read Joe Polizzi talk about ad- not adherence, but brands not being able to ad- adhere, stick to a plan long enough. I remember talking to a nutritionist about the same several years ago, and it's like, huh, so I write myself a little note in that notepad. When I leave the gym, after I shower and put clothes on, I'll take that over to Evernote. If it sticks with me till after lunch, I'll then begin a conversation with somebody online, somebody that, that I feel like is an expert in either SEO, content marketing, in, in some realm of digital marketing. And I'll just send a DM or an email and I'll kind of parse the topic, but I want them to vet my idea. Um, from there, I'll often go into Google Doc and I'll, I have this, these, it's called uh, blog post ideas. And from there, I'll start sketching it out. 
I'll take and uh, put a page. I have a notepad that's in front of me right now, and I'll write the headline. I like to write longhand. And at some point, I'll put all these documents together, and it'll be just like five or six scratch pieces of paper because I'm tearing out pieces of paper every day in my gym. If if I put a note down in my gym or if I put a note down in my little notepad in the gym, uh, it has to come out with me. It has to be written down somewhere else later on. From there, it could be shared with the team. You can tear it apart, put it back together. It's a very similar process that, that happens in journalism. You see it all the time on ESPN, uh, that uh, 30 for 30 or the the 60-minute special that they have where everybody sits around a round table and they they parse and pull and tug at these ideas till they come up with something that's workable, that would be palatable to their audience to, to generate the type of sentiment they'd like for their brand. It's the same thing for your brand. Where you have you create these I the I call these idea tear sheets. And you keep them with you long enough to vet them, hopefully talking to somebody or observing a conversation. And then from there, you continue to build on them. And at some point, once you sit down with the team, you will come up with a date of delivery where you say, we have enough information here. Um, somebody will go away and write that piece of content. And then you'll, you know, the process begins anew with the editing and copy editing and all that. It begins with you getting it written down. And the key with you writing it down vetting it and coming back to it later is you need to see if it sticks. If you write it down, I, you know, and I take it to Evernote and I discuss it with somebody, but they're kind of lukewarm to it. And then two weeks later, I'm like, you know, eh, I don't really feel like that's that significant of an idea. And it dissipates. Then that means it wasn't as significant as I thought. But you have to develop, uh, Mark Traphagen at Stone Temple Consulting calls it content eyes. Uh, you know, I see ideas everywhere. I call it a, a, a content, I don't call it a, a, a content mechanism, but I think it is, is a content sieve where the best ideas stick in that sifter. And the ones that don't, I they, they flow through. And how they flow through for me is I'll take them from my that notepad and I'll share them on social media. I'll, I'll share them in a tweet. I'll share them in uh, a LinkedIn post or else who's sharing something that's similar uh, and, and I'll attach my thoughts to it. it. It just says it wasn't significant enough for me to write a blog post about it. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that putting it out there in the ether like that or putting it out on social media or wherever, that, that's, a, that's a form of testing, right? That's, that's, Absolutely. Yeah, that's testing the idea without fully formulating and seeing if there's a market for it. I mean, companies, big brands do it all the time with products and, and marketing initiatives and everything like that. They test these things to these, a smaller group. And if, if there's something there, then that's the ones that they devote their time and effort to. Absolutely. So I think that's a really good, uh, that's a really good pointer. Um, a lot of these things that you talked about, and, and we're talking about tips on how to create content here, a lot of them revolve around, I think, if I'm understanding correctly, having conversations with people, whether it's people on Twitter, whether it's people in your own industry, whether it's people just figuring out, it with, and, and probably most importantly, people, um, your customers, Having those conversations, what do they want to know? What, what are their problems? What are their pain points? What are their, you know, what, are, what tips do they want? Um, I think having those conversations with people, that's really whenever you're going you're gonna to produce your best pieces. Not, again, not a keyword focus, not a, you know, it, it comes from of, of understanding your end user um, and trying to 
and trying to solve their problems. Yeah. And, you know, I think having these conversations with, you know, brands, customers or end users, that is really one of the best ways to, for brands to truly understand their audience, because it happens, you know, um, so many times where we get clients that come in or even just different brands where they think they understand their audience or they think they even know who their audience is. And in reality, like they have no idea they could be isolating this, you know, um, audience group this whole time, or they, you know, everything is just so misaligned. So I think, you know, going out, having those conversations, being deeply engaged, uh, with customers and users, that is one of the best ways to define your audience. Oh my gosh. I I love that Mary. Being engaged is, is so huge. One of the keys there is, is we're often wrong. You know, we can see somebody doing something and have no idea as to why. And one of the examples I'll use is one of my de facto mentors is uh, Clay Christensen. And I say that because two of the most powerful books I've ever read, I came from him. First, it was Disruptive Innovation, uh, The Innovator's Dilemma, which he wrote in the late 19, mid to late 1990s. And the, the second was uh, Measure Your Life. But he shares a concept, concept called Jobs to be Done. And, and he highlights an example that, that I use now when I work, when I'm talking to prospects or when I'm working a brand with brands where he was hired to find out how, I think it was either Burger King or McDonald's, why their milkshakes weren't selling well. And the company had one theory, but he wanted to test it. And so when he asked people, he found out that it, some very interesting stuff. One was most milkshakes were being sold in the morning, not in the, in the day or the evening, in the afternoon or evening. And he found that most people were buying them because they had long commutes and they were, quote unquote, hiring these milkshakes to do a job that was distract them on a miserable commute. So one of the things I think about in content marketing is we focus so much on the what and the how, right? It's like, you know, how did this happen and what happened? But one of the things I learned as a journalist is, and it's tougher to tease this out, is why? Why is that happening? And that's why I always say I'm not a slave to data because it can often be misleading. It can tell us to, to do something that's been done in the past and been done successful, but not as successful if we if we tried another another try something different or talk to the people who are actually engaging in that activity. So I, you know, I, I think about for me when I'm working with a brand, no matter how quote unquote boring the, the vertical they may work in. Somebody's excited by that, but we have to then take from that and say, what are they hiring this product or service for? What job are they hiring it for? And I can see that we were missing it all along. The, 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 uh, the opportunity was right under our nose the entire time, but it takes for us to be willing to, as Mary said, engage with those people to get those answers. And, and when you have those conversations, it's amazing what you come back with. It's amazing how full your idea folder can become when you actually engage with your people from your audience or people with the brand, the brand you're working with. Maybe it's, it's you know, you're talking to C-level or director people and you like say, hey, can I interview some members of your staff? And you find out what's really going on at the grassroots level that can inform your strategy beyond what a director or a C-level person could have ever informed you to do. Yeah, and that's something that we always do here. Um, when we're, you know, we work in, you know, branding companies and trying to get to the heart of what their problems are, and then ultimately we try to use that. Um, you know, for content ideas and things like that. But uh, we, we do like to talk to the C-suite. We do like to talk to the upper management. But we always want to get some interviews with folks who are um, who are, are regularly interacting with the customer, those brand touch points, and seeing maybe where it's falling short or where it's exceeding expectations. And there's a story that we need to tell. 
Um, so that's a that's a that's a good point. Well, one thing to jump in here. So one of the things I one of the things I talk about all the time, and this is my area, that it's content strategy is a tough sell because most people you have to explain to them what it is, and then what it does, and then the last one is why they need it. And if you have to do all that. It's, it's always going to be a tough sell, right? So what you have to do is get to their pain points. And that only happens is by engaging with them and seeing what their needs are because they have an association with SEO and content marketing. And, and from there, you can tease out of them, here's what content marketing solves for you. Here's why you need it. But you don't have to call it content strategy. By, but, but the key there is by engaging them, you can say, hey, okay, here's what I do for you. Here's why you need it. Uh, so it's kind of a, a, a workaround, and and I, I I can't, and I know you guys are big on this. I can't focus enough. I can't highlight enough the the need to engage with, need to talk to the way the uh, the need to tease out through discussion, the needs of the absolutely, client. completely agree, completely agree. So let's uh, we've we've talked about some ideas and some some tips for um for how to look for inspiration for content. Let's talk a little bit about uh, mistakes to avoid when it comes to, to creating not only just you know, content, you know, singular piece of content, but a content strategy. Um, are there any, um, are there any particular, I mean, we've, we've touched on a few here, but maybe we go a little bit more in depth. Um, are there any in particular that come, come to your mind that you see regularly um, whenever you're putting together a content strategy? Yes. The, the single biggest one I see in just about everybody makes it, is not in that content strategy is to use a word we use earlier, holistic. It's it's very easy for us to think, and, and brands think this way, so we have to pull them away from it, but brands think that content can do a very specific thing for them. So when you have a strategy that's outlining that content, they don't always understand that, okay, no, 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 this all works in unison. You know, you, the, the whole SEO paid media, you know, SEO, SEM, PPC, content, this all works together. And the 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 parts are greater than, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. And I, I, I think that's much, much tougher for people to get unless we're, because we're not always the unified in beating that drum. We have to be willing to say, sit down with them and say, I, I, one of the things I'll do is I'll ask the question, what do you think content strategy doesn't touch? Like, you know, because often the question I'll get is, you know, why I need it? What is it? And I'm basically want to put it back on them. What doesn't it do? You know, content strategy can inform their sales team. You know, I'm going to talk to the sales men and women and, and, and have them highlight some specific conversations they're having to get a, a, a feel for the language that people are using about this product or service or about a new product or service we may be thinking of offer. It, it informs PR and branding, obviously, because we want to be able to control the narrative in those discussions ongoing. Uh, it, it, it works in SEO, obviously, as well, because if there's an organic result that's uh, in the wheelhouse of our brand, I want us to show up prominently, but I want us to show up accurately there as well. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in the content strategy working in paid. I really, really, really like paid because some of the things you can find out with, say, a paid social ad puts you so much closer to, to the community and being able to understand them, make you a part of those conversations that you can tie all that together and, and, and feel strongly with, with the, with the quote-unquote holistic content strategy. You can feel strongly that our goals are being optimized for, 
and that our needs are much likely to be met. I can hand you a plan that you can adhere to. We won't struggle with, quote unquote, coming up with content ideas. It just makes everything flow so much smoother when we can have everybody on on task and not be thinking that content strategy that just does one specific thing. I like I like how you said that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow that from now on. Asking them, you know, well, when they ask you, what is content marketing? Why do I need it? And you say, well, what part doesn't it touch? That's a that's a great point because it it is it does permeate through, um, you know, a lot of aspects of the organization, if not all. I mean, it's 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 a it's a part of a bigger effort, which which. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, another um, mistake that can happen, and um, we see this sometimes, is, you know, basically brands wanting to sprint before they've even started crawling. I mean, there's no way Usain Bolt became the fastest runner or the fastest sprinter in the world before he could even walk, you know? Um, I mean, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, there's nothing wrong with brands wanting to be aspirational. Like I know something, you know, Ronell, we talked about in the pre-show is, you know, um, an HVAC company can't be, you know, like a GE. There's no, I mean, nor should they even want to be, they can't create the same types of content, you know, Mm -hmm. with budget set aside. They Mm -hmm. just have, you know, as we've been saying, different end goals in mind. And there, like I said, there's nothing wrong with brands, you know, wanting to be aspirational or setting goals for themselves and, you know, but, you know, it also has to do with like we were talking about earlier, content maturity. Um, I mean, those brands are on two totally different levels, maturity levels. Um, and so, you know, everyone is at different places in the process. And I think sometimes that's just something brands get confused on is, you know, we want to create these massive, you know, crazy videos was like, whoa, hold on a second. We haven't, even, you haven't done anything yet. We, you know, we have no idea what could work. So, you know, it's also just brands, uh, you know, some brands need to be more realistic with their expectations for their content. Oh my gosh. you! <laughs> I love that, Mary. As you were saying that, it made me think of something. One of, one of the most interesting uh, talks I've ever had with a prospect who later became a, a, uh, customer of mine was we were looking at organic results and I, I, he was thinking he should rank over above a competitor. And, and I said, what do you think it would take for you to earn the right to be there? And he looked at me ensconced and, and I was saying they're there as they've earned the right. And, and I walked him through what specifically they were doing. Their, their page was just so much better optimized. Their off page and on page SEO was was 10 times better, so much so that even he saw it once I explained it to him. So what, what that did was, w- once I got his attention with the earn it, was I said, you, you'll be successful when you find the thing you're willing to work hard enough and long enough at. And so this goes back to what you were talking about, Mary, with the, when you look at a competitor, you know, you don't want to emulate them. You want, you want to be informed by it. You have to walk before you run. The, and the way we too often think about that is, I want to be where he or she is. I want to do what he or she is doing. And in reality, we have to think in terms of earning it and then saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to find the thing that I can own. I'm going to find the thing that that may not be exactly what he or she is doing. I'm going to find the thing that I'm, going, I'm willing to work long enough and hard enough to be the, the top result, to be the best answer. 
And that's, that's just the way that I, I think about it. And it's it's won me some favor with, with prospects and customers. I can't say that it always bowls people over, but they get it. when Instead of, instead of them thinking, okay, I want to rank number one, they're like, hey, you know what? Here's what I need to be doing to feel... To feel like I'm, I'm going to, I'm working in the direction to earn that result. That's that's uh, that's a that's a great point. I think shifting your focus from I want to be here, uh, what you know, I need to be up on page one. You know, I need to be the first, you know, the first uh, organic spot or whatever. Um, shifting the the focus from that to what do I need to do to get there? Um, just that mindset. You know, I, I need to accomplish these steps. Uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier about, you know, adherence to a plan. Okay. In order to get here, I have to do X, Y, and Z. Instead of focusing on being number one, being number one, focus on accomplishing X and then moving to Y and then moving to Z. Absolutely. And that goes back to what we talked about a second ago with the, with the adherence and the, the focus, the lead versus lag or, or what I call inputs versus uh, outcomes that if, if we stop thinking about number one result. And thinking instead on, okay, here's the things that I think lead to that lead would lead to me being the number one result and then doing those things. And whether I become the number one result, I'm going to be have a much more informed process. I'm going to be able to see that, hey, you know what? Here's what I did. Here's what wasn't successful. Here's what I want to I should try again. Here's what was successful. Here's what maybe I should do more of. But the more we can focus on what what needs to be done and instead has to be done, I think we can, we can be successful. But one of the points Mary made that I, w- I don't want to gloss over is, is when we look at somebody being successful, whether it's, you know, an athlete, an entertainer, somebody uh, have a piece of content that's ranking, we're seeing the end result. We're not seeing what went into that, right? And mm-hmm. as, as individuals and as brand, I know when I look in the mirror every morning, I'm judging myself based on yesterday, Right. When really I should be judging myself based on a year ago, because I'm not going to change that from day to day. We should do the same thing with competitors. We shouldn't say, OK, I'm, I just looked at this this organic result yesterday and I'm still ranking number 10 and, and, and this competitor is ranking number one. Well, maybe two years ago you were on the second page and they were number three. Look at you, you don't you won't know what they're doing to be successful, but you can know what you're doing and whether that's bringing you success, success or not. So it's not fair to any of us to compare ourselves to the competition at the time he or has find their their greatest success. But it's the same thing with with a brand. We're not being successful. We should say, OK, here's what we should be doing based off what they likely did to some degree as well. And then that's whenever you layer on the iteration like you, like you talked about. It's, you know, we think this is what they did to be successful, so we're going to try that. Oh, that didn't work? Okay, let's let's adjust our strategy. And, and I mean, you have to give it time. It's not it didn't work after a day. Um, it's, okay, we've done we've done this for six months now and we haven't seen anything. Um, let's shift gears. Uh, this, this, this didn't work for three months. Let's shift gears on that. So it's about testing, iterating. This worked. Let's incorporate more of this into our process. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It, all, it, it really does, as you just described, it really does all work together. And, and I really feel like the customers that we work with, they're not that far off, but it's like anything. They don't give it enough time. They're not focused on the right things. They're they're optimizing uh, for the for the wrong result. When I, when I first got into strength training, one of the quotes that sticks out of my mind all the time, and, and I don't say this to people, but I say it to myself, is they used to say the best training the best training regimen is the one you're not on. 
right? Because you always, you always look at somebody else and they're being successful. And you think, oh, I want to do that. Not realize that you're working towards being successful. And as soon as you try to, to optimize for their result with the wrong plan, you're not going to be successful. So it's just that whole plan hopping thing, plan hopping, plan hopping, plan hopping. Yeah, that's, um, I think all this ties into too is that, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, but I think we even, uh, and I say we, we as brands who are trying to, to create content, um, I think we overcomplicate it. I think, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, you know, sticking to a plan, it's as simple as creating a plan, sticking to a plan. And if it's working, keep doing it. Um, and, you know, maybe experiment to try to improve. And if it's not, change it up a little bit. See what can work. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think we should just, you know, what's the, what's the adage? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we've, we've, we've covered a lot here today and I thank you guys a lot for your time. Um, one last thing I kind of want to get to, uh, just touch on a little bit is Ronell something in pre-show that you said that really was, uh, pretty profound was we need to stop focus, uh, focusing on, uh, creating 10 X content. What we need to do is create 10 X brands. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Right. So, and this is an idea, I guess I'll credit Rand Fishkin from Moz with this, where he started talking about back on Brian Dean from uh, Europe's uh, skyscraper SEO, uh, skyscraper method, where you basically find the number one result and you attack it. You say where it's weak and you try to create a better result. The problem with that is you're often just going to create a result that's a little better when if you're focused on a piece of content that can outrank it and outrank it, rank it long term, you need to be focused on a piece of content that's way better. So Rand came up with the idea of create 10x content. I have never liked that uh, because when you work with brands, one of the things you realize is they have a very tough time executing their business plan. Content's a huge, huge add-on. For you to say create 10x content the equivalent of saying uh, – that at three year old should be able to run a marathon. That's that's really really what you're saying. And so, I've I've said for years that this is an example where good enough is good enough, especially when you start. When you realize that most content you create early on for your brand, no matter how successful you are, it's not going to be the content you would create a year or two later because you you you'll know more later. Then you have to take the mindset of. Let's start somewhere, get it as good as it can, and then get it better over time. So your real competition early on is 10xing yourself, 10xing your brand. And that's all the processes inside the company such that you're doing all these amazing things so that when you you create content, everything matches. So the example I use, you know, you have a, a crappy restaurant or crappy plumbing service, but an amazing website right? That's not going to help you. So people find you, they use you, they don't use you again, they leave horrible reviews, and you have far fewer people finding you and using you. So if you think about it, the going back and away from the 10x content, if we say, I'm, what I'm really going to focus on is creating a 10x brand, meaning create the best brand experience I possibly could. That's from my sales team on sales calls, that's my PR, strategy team, content team, social media, everybody. Everything that people associate with my brand, they'll adhere to under one umbrella, that goal, 
whatever that goal is for your brand, and we'll march in lockstep that we'll be seen the same way. And that same way, part of that has to be excellence in every area. And if you do that, if you focus on creating a 10x brand where you, you don't have any holes, so to speak, where people aren't saying things, even though you have a, a great website or an awesome, beautiful or handsome uh, CEO, then you creating content from that or for that becomes easier. The content by your brand is far more appealing. You have a lot more to talk about. The content about your brand, what people are saying about you and, and willing to say about you, and the content created for your brand through, on, on, say, social media, is so much better. So I feel like going forward, I'd like for us to focus less on creating 10x content or on creating a 10x brand. Because ultimately, if you, if you read the tea leaves, that's where this is going. There's a lot of brands who are very, very, very successful who, who focus on creating a 10x experience and uh, 10x content is not part of that equation. They, they have some 2 or 3x content. Um, but they don't have 10x content. And an example I'll use it as is Amazon, otherworldly successful. Um, and, and I'm not saying they do, do everything correctly, but they focus enough on the online and offline things that adhere to their overall uh, strategy and brand goal that they can have faltering content. They can fall down in that area. Um, and, and I think we, we can all adopt a, a similar strategy where we're, where we're saying my content's going to only get better. I'm going to I'm going to iterate, 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 but I'm going to do every daggum thing I can to to optimize for the for and about content. The buy content will get better. And you know what? I think a lot of this is tying into Chris and you'll definitely recognize this is that, um, you know, Bo and Jonathan are always saying you don't own your brand, you manage it. And I think, you know, that's perfectly reinforced by what, you know, Ronnell was just explaining with this 10 X brand. Excellent guys. Well, that that's, that's perfect. I think that's a great note to, to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, I think it's about all the time we have today. I, I want to thank Mary and Ronnell for joining us today for taking out their time. Uh, so thanks for joining us guys and um, everybody out there. Uh, thanks for joining us and listening and we'll catch you next time on solving for B. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Solving for B, the podcast brought to you by Brand Extract. If you could, please help other branding and marketing professionals discover the show by rating us on iTunes or Google Play. You can also head over to brandextract.com for more insight. That's all for now. We hope you can join us for the next installment of Solving for B. Solving for B.